Hey everybody, it's Matt. As we kick off this episode of Growing Greater, let's thank the team at the Discovery Labs. Located in the King of Prussia neighborhood of Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, the Discovery Labs is the first fully integrated environment for big pharma, emerging biotech, and high-tech companies to cohabitate under one roof. Perfectly situated in suburban Philadelphia, the Discovery Labs is in close proximity to world-class research institutions, health systems, and educational leaders, as well as to the regulatory and legislative community in Washington, D.C., and the investment community in New York. The Discovery Labs offers the complete package, access to wet labs, to talent, research partners, leading biotech and pharmaceutical companies, venture capital, startups, and so much more. And it's in an exceptionally affordable region that provides an unmatched cost of living and quality of life. Learn more at thediscoverylabs.com. That's thediscoverylabs.com. And join me in thanking the Discovery Labs for believing in us at Select Greater Philadelphia. stories of economic growth, job creation, and business success from across the 11-county community of Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania. Now, here's Matt Gabry. Far and away, the best prize that life has to offer is the chance to work hard at work worth doing. This quote by U.S. President Teddy Roosevelt from more than 100 years ago, it captures perfectly the spirit of our Growing Greater episode as we bring you the next installment in our special series highlighting innovative and successful employer-led workforce development strategies. You know, we're partnering with the Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia's Education and Talent Action Team, also known as ETAT, and they are positioning Greater Philadelphia as a premier talent hub by cultivating innovative cross-sector collaborations. And first up, we have an inspiring story of a company whose sole purpose is to help individuals with disabilities obtain meaningful careers. It's the Precisionists, Inc. They are a national business founded and headquartered in Wilmington, Delaware, that is bridging the disability employment divide. Through key partnerships across diverse industries, this team places talented and highly engaged individuals with various kinds of disabilities in jobs that they otherwise may not have accessed. Ernie D'Anstasis is the founder and CEO of The Precisionist, and he joined us along with his colleague, Kaylin Morris, who shares with us her firsthand experiences working in jobs at major companies that she likely would never have been considered for, let alone secure the position, were it not for the distinctive business model provided by The Precisionists. Here, Ernie explains just what that distinctive business model actually is. The Precision is it's a services company, first and foremost. We're an IT and business administration services company, mm-hmm. and we were only founded just two and a half years ago. But when we talk about what we do and the model that we do, our leadership team's actually been doing this for over six years. We deliver IT and business administrative services to companies that are trying to get their work done, and we deliver it by building teams either building teams or bringing the resources on site to work in the company's environment to get those services done. And our goal is to employ 10,000 people with developmental disabilities by the year 2025. 
And share with us the origin of this idea you had, because I know you've referenced six years ago, the leadership team has been kind of working on this and coming up on three years now, you've had this formal structure known as the Precisionist Inc. But this passion for engaging what we often refer to, at least I do, as those folks who sometimes aren't thought about when we're thinking about the workplace contribution, and that is folks with disabilities. And you've developed a perspective on this that is taking it to the next level. Sure. I love telling this story because for many years, coming out of college, I worked for IBM, then went after just a few years to a small startup IT company called CAI Mm -hmm. and spent over 25 years there and started as the first employee for CAI in the Delaware Valley market and grew it to over 1,500 IT professionals Wow! and really thought I was going to finish out my career doing that. It's a great company and we were having a lot of success. But like many times in life, once in a while, something comes along that can really It's a catalyst to a whole new idea or a whole new thing that is really exciting. Mm -hmm. What happened to me was back in 2013, I got a call from, at the time, he was in his first term, Governor Jack Markell of Delaware. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like a big deal to get the phone call from the governor, but the reality of it is Delaware is just like a small town, and we have a lot of fun there. Everybody knows everybody. So you could run into the Governor Markell in the grocery store the night before and then see him in a, in a meeting the next day. Mm-hmm. So I knew him. He called me. He said, listen, I just became head of the National Governors Association, which is a big deal. You're picked by the other 49 governors. And other than getting extra work to do, the big perk on it, it's a one-year term. The big perk is that you get to pick a platform that all 50 governors will work together on. Cool. So Governor Markell picks employing people with disabilities for a better bottom line. Wow. Which is really very forward-thinking in 2013. Totally. And he said, listen, he said, I want to walk the talk in Delaware. I don't want to just be doing this on a national level. And he said, I have an idea. And he had read about a guy in the New York Times from Denmark. His name is Torquil Sana. When he found out, Torquil found out in Denmark that his son, when he was only three years old, was on the autism spectrum. Okay. Like every parent, he was worried, what are we going to do? Right. And how can we change his potential outcome in life? And Torquil started a company and started to work on a number of innovations back in 2004. And the Times wrote him up, and the governor read this, and when he saw it and he thought about his national governor's initiative, he called him, and he got him on the phone, and he talked to him for a while. What it resulted in is he invited him to come to Delaware because Torquio was thinking of bringing his model to the U.S. Right. Well, long story short, Torquil came. I got invited to that meeting. The governor invited me to that meeting because he thought, okay, IT company, There could be some synergy. Who knows? Mm -hmm. So I went, didn't know what to expect. I was so impressed with the things that Torquil was doing Mm -hmm. that a month later, I jumped on a plane, went to Copenhagen, and really wanted to validate his model and what he was doing. So I did that. Right. And it was very real. And long story short, a few months later, Torquil, his wife, and their son, Lars, who's on the spectrum, moved to the U.S. They Mm -hmm. moved to Delaware. And... After they got Lars situated, I invited Torquil to come in and start working with us at my old company, and we began to pilot and create IT positions for people on the spectrum doing things like software testing and software development. Right. I really appreciate that story, Ernie, because 
it's a milestone. And I go back to Governor Markell thinking of you as a potential partner and a friend in the state of Delaware to help him bring his vision to life. And you were inspired by that. That chance encounter triggered this milestone moment in your thought process, so much so that you did some investigating, to your point, and Mm -hmm. wanted to validate this process. And along the way, you said, you know what, there's something here. And you ultimately wanted to take it to the next level. And if I could dive into that, a couple years later, you were so moved by what was being accomplished through this model program that, if I understand it correctly, you did start to incorporate some of it into your then-employer operations Mm -hmm. and saw it working and wanted to take it to the next level. So you, as an entrepreneur, as a business leader, took a risk, and you left this career-oriented job to try something new to start this organization called The Precisionist, Inc. Tell us about that thought process, that moment that you woke up and said, you know what, I'm doing it. It's something I'm so proud of. It it was one of those watershed moments in in my life in terms of the direction I wanted to go. After we created over 40 jobs for individuals doing IT work that are on the spectrum, we watched very carefully the performance. And it was off the chart, attention to detail, accuracy, quality, work ethic, throughput, everything that you would want in a model employee, Mm -hmm. and these individuals were delivering and getting this done. That's when the light bulb went off, and I said, you know, I don't want to just do this as a side project at a large technology company. I actually want to do this Mm 24-7 because I felt that the country was ready to do this, that companies were ready, that the disability community was ready. Everybody was ready. And I just, it's sometimes you get a feeling about something. So I decided to sell my ownership stake in the other business, in mm-hmm. CAI. And I used the proceeds to self fund this new company called The Precisionist, which we launched in August of 2016. And I'll tell you what, Matt, since we have never looked back, I mean, we got started and the opportunity is just unbelievable across the country. It's everything I was expecting and then some. And I want to dive into that because you have seen some really great expansion over the last nearly three years now. And you have some great engagement with employers right here in the greater Philadelphia region. And we should note that you're headquartered in Wilmington. But true to this kind of approach that we take on growing greater, it's not just about growing the assets of the greater Philadelphia region. That's certainly foremost in our minds, but it's also about growing greater personally and professionally. And in your case, you're certainly doing that and you're helping others to do it as well, but you're also doing it geographically because you're expanding to other parts of the U.S. in such a short period of time. Where I'm going with all this, Ernie, is I'd love for you to share with us a little bit more about some of the employers that you've been able to partner with who see your vision, who believe in what you're trying to accomplish, and who are stepping up to say, not only do we need help to deliver on our goals, but we also want to help others deliver on theirs as well. That's been one of the most gratifying parts about making this decision is that the employers, the companies out there have been very excited and have come full circle and are really ready to make an impact with diversity and inclusion and giving a population that has traditionally been, you know, 75 to 80 percent under or unemployed. Mm Mm-hmm. And actually, really, for the first time, being serious about giving these individuals a chance for a career. 
And so some of the companies we've been working with are great companies like Pepco Holdings, which is part of Exelon, the same enterprise that Pico Energy is part of. And we've been doing, for example, a whole bunch of projects and applications for them. And also Pfizer is a great company that locally that we're working with. Vertex software, they make leading edge tax software and many other financial tools. Mm -hmm. Independence Blue Cross, these are all great Philadelphia companies that have taken the chance and said, we're going to do this because we believe it's a great thing to do. But the most important thing out of all this is that this is not a charity play. Right. There's not a shred of charity in this. This is a performance model. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're demonstrating, that these individuals, when they're given the chance to go through the right assessment and training and prepared for the workforce properly, and when we work with the companies that we work with to become accommodating, accessible, open-minded organizations to accept this talent and integrate them into the environment – the recipe for success is wonderful, and that's exactly what's happening. I love the nuance that you shared with us just now. It's not a charity play. This is a business. This is a for-profit operation that's providing talented, skilled employees for companies that need this kind of expert employee base. And to the point you made earlier about the character of the employee, their ability to perform, their dedication, their focus, their output, their loyalty, it's everything you want a great employee to be, and I suspect more. So to your point, it just puts a kind of a fine point, if you will, on the notion that this is a business model. This is not a nonprofit charitable organization. Fair? Absolutely fair. And there's a couple of reasons why the under and unemployment has been at 80% for years. And one of the reasons is a lot of times individuals cannot get past the first five minutes of a traditional HR interview. Mm -hmm. They may not make small talk. They may fidget in the interview. Well, those things have absolutely nothing to do with whether somebody can do a great job at developing software or QAing reports or scanning documents. Uh, has no bearing on that. And the other reason that it's been high underemployment and unemployment is that there's work to be done to create and set up the work so these individuals can be successful. You can't just plop somebody into a corporate environment that's fast-moving and fast-changing and expect them to just automatically fit in. There's work to be done in preparing the companies, and there's work to be done in preparing the workforce. And we've developed best practices to do both of those things. Excellent. And super needed. Whether you have a developmental disability or not, frankly, can't plop anybody into an environment without appropriate training, Absolutely. frankly. Yep. And to your point a moment ago as well, it's about the soft skills as well as the technical skills that are needed. Because all of us need some sort of exposure to and some comfort level in how do we carry ourselves in a workplace environment? How do we react to a, a moment that may be new to us, so that may be slightly uncomfortable? And we all respond in different ways based on those kinds of situations, regardless of whether or not we're on an autism spectrum or have some other kinds of challenges. That's right on point. Absolutely right. That's what makes this so exciting. It's really the perfect intersection of being a chance to still be good practitioners at technology, at business services, at best practices, but also with this special extra mission that we're doing around creating these employment opportunities. That's why we're so excited to have this business going. 
Well, I'd say more than anything, I'm probably closer, more closer to the introvert side of the spectrum than the ex extrovert side. So I, that probably played the biggest role out of anything in the struggle finding a job. I just had trouble fitting in. I had trouble selling myself, like marketing myself. Through testimonials like these, the impact that the Precisionist has had on trainees, well, it's undeniable. These talented candidates have not only gained access to a career path, but they are instilled with a confidence that will carry over into all aspects of their lives. And it's really humbling and rewarding to see the trainees succeed and grow. And I want to bring Caitlin into our conversation and come back and talk with Ernie a little bit more about some of the other nuances that we see happening at the Precisionist as well and some of the growth plans and where it's going next. But Caitlin, welcome into our conversation. Thank you so much. So share with us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up and where do you live now? All right. Well, I've lived in several places in Delaware. I've kind of gone from place to place. I was living in the group home system for about four years. Mm -hmm. And I am independent now, of course, ever since working for the Precisionists. Excellent. Good for you. Yeah. That's Thank great. You. So in that spirit, share with us, how did you first hear about the Precisionist? Well, when I first heard about them, I was working with vocational rehabilitation for Delaware. Mm -hmm. And my counselor there had mentioned that there were certain organizations that were kind of in development for people like me. Mm-hmm. And uh, she gave me a number. I wasn't really sure who was going to answer it, but they had referred me to a friend of theirs that said, oh, this person named Ernie is doing some sort of initiative to hire people like you, so why don't you give this person a call? And I called them and ended up being the future HR person, mm -hmm. perhaps current at the time, right. the HR person for the Precisionist, and she referred me to the first information session, and I was uh, first one at the door there to try to figure out what was going on. Nice. That's great. And if you don't mind me asking, Kaylin, what were you doing at the time you reached out to the Precisionist? Well, I had previously worked at quite a few jobs mm -hmm. involving cashiering, bathroom cleaning, Walmart, yep. and other stuff like that. Sure. And I had gone to college to try to get a better job, mm -hmm. but after college, I was unemployed for three years, actively looking all three years, Sure, which would explain why I was working with vocational rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. And I was living in a group home. I think I had an allowance from my mom of $20 a week or $20 every two weeks and mm -hmm. just uh, very down on my luck. So I was searching pretty hard for some kind of opportunity that would give me a chance. I had gone through so many interviews and... They just never called back. Right. I do love the fact that you've taken the initiative to enhance your goals in life, and you've actually set some goals and started to work towards them. So while you had a variety of really great jobs in the service industries, mm -hmm. you wanted to do something different, and you pursued that. And it's great that you found and discovered this team called The Precisionist who has opened new doors for you to challenge you personally and professionally, and it sounds like you're in a really great position now. I understand you're a project coordinator with The Precisionist. What does that mean, and what kind of work are you doing today? Yeah, so to touch on what you said, I always wanted to have a job. I was dreamed of having a job mm -hmm. where I could use my brain, and I've always been really great with computers. I've been great with art, and I've had a lot of special talents, but I've never really had the opportunity to use them. So when I first started working here, they started me off slowly, right, with a simple kind of database cleanse. Sure. And I've been working with Pepco Holdings through the Precisionist from the beginning. But mm -hmm. over the past two years that I've been working here, my role has just expanded and changed about maybe 20 plus times. So now I'm coordinating maybe 
10 plus projects doing all sorts of stuff related to the electrical industry. So kind of their computerized work. Right. That's great. It really is. Thank you. (laughs) And I can imagine, but I want you to share this with me, Mm -hmm. how you go to bed at night and how you wake up in the morning excited for the next challenge of the day and reflecting on the successes, the milestones, the achievements you've had throughout that day? When I wake up in the morning, I know I have a lot of projects that I'm going to be thinking about. I'm currently working on an operations manual just full of tutorials on every single process that I do. I have, like I said, 10 plus projects to coordinate. And I also work with people. I work with other adults with autism. Mm -hmm. That's always probably the main motivating factor. Mm-hmm. I love my coworkers. I enjoy being around them. So I just I just show up to work and I do my best. And I'm always pretty motivated in my line of work. It has meaning to me. Right. And when I go to bed at night, I always know I've done a good job. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> and I want to take it a step further, if you're okay with this, yeah. Kaylin, and ask about your colleagues, your friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I suspect you still have some connections with other folks that you met through the vocational training program that you were a part of. Mm-hmm. What do you tell somebody that you know who also has autism or maybe mm-hmm. some other kind of disability or they're in a position where they feel like they just haven't been given that chance or they haven't mm-hmm. had that door opportunity open for them? What kind of guidance do you give them when you're talking about the work you're doing now with the precisionists? I would say definitely have faith that they're going to train you. This is the most supportive environment I've ever seen in a workplace for people like us. And just know that you're going to have support. A lot of the people who work here and lead some of our projects are very patient with us. They like to teach us certain skills that we might not get somewhere else. People expect us to know how to cooperate in a uh, corporate environment. And people come in basically from living with their parents or wherever they were not quite knowing all these skills yet, I would say be confident, you know. They're going to be able to teach you. Mm -hmm. Make sure you show the precisionists what kind of skills that you're great at. So don't sell yourself short, you know, because no one's going to read your mind about what your special skill is, but we all want to see it, you know. And I think that they should just be confident. I think we have maybe some confidence issues because of all the rejection that people have faced, but Mm -hmm. know that they're going to find support. The work that Ernie and his team are doing, it's truly innovative and inspiring. And it's key to supporting a talented workforce in this region and in cities across the country. In just a moment, we'll meet Dr. Karen Kasachin, Dean of Workforce Development and Community Education at Delaware County Community College, who will share more on a collaborative skills training program that is helping to prepare the workforce of tomorrow. But first, let's thank the team at Philadelphia Works for their support of our Chamber's education and talent initiatives. A nonprofit agency serving both career seekers and employers, Philadelphia Works is the City of Philadelphia's Workforce Development Board. They fund and oversee employment services and training opportunities to help Philadelphia residents thrive and employers access the talent they need to compete in today's market. Investments made by Philadelphia Works drive training and employment readiness solutions, and through their service delivery partners, Philadelphia Works connects employers to workforce talent and career seekers to jobs. Learn more at philaworks.org. That's philaworks.org. And join me in thanking Philadelphia Works for their support of this podcast and of our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. 
So as we heard from Ernie and Kaylin, there are remarkable programs available across our greater Philadelphia neighborhood that are helping to prepare people for career opportunities. It all comes down to education and training. These are among the key tools needed to prepare and connect job seekers with quality family-sustaining careers. And this is exactly what's happening at Delaware County Community College and other area colleges through the Collegiate Consortium for Workforce and Economic Development. All the studying, late nights, and hard work paid off. And we are proud to be the next group to graduate from Delaware County Community College. As the spring semester has recently concluded, these trained students are now entering the workforce with the knowledge and skills needed to excel in any career. We asked Dr. Karen Katsachin how the role Delaware County Community College and other community colleges play in preparing students for success and to offer some insights into the Collegiate Consortium for Workforce and Economic Development. So Delaware County Community College is a community college. We have multiple campuses in Delaware and Chester County. We offer degree, certificate, and workforce development programs to meet the needs of both our employers and our constituents. Delaware County Community College is one of the anchor schools to the Collegiate Consortium for Workforce and Economic Development, one of the founding schools. It's a 24-year-old entity. It was the president and senior leadership at Delaware County Community College that really had the vision to start the Collegiate Consortium and they brought in other community colleges in the region. Other partners to make yes. it successful. Because as its name suggests, it's a consortium. It is. And share with us a little bit more about how big is it? I mean, what are the organizations that make up the Collegiate Consortium? So the Collegiate Consortium is represented by five community colleges. Mm -hmm. So Delaware County Community College of Philadelphia, Montgomery County Community College, Bucks County Community College, Camden County College on the New Jersey side, mm -hmm. as well as Drexel University as our anchor four-year. Excellent. So is it all what I guess I would say higher education oriented or are there other partners who are part of the consortium as well that maybe they're not formal partners, but they're certainly engaged? Absolutely. Our employers are probably the most important part of our partnerships. Mm -hmm. We work very closely with PICO, most recently with SEPTA, yeah. with the, the Longshoremen, the International Longshoremen Association as the workforce Boeing helicopters in the past, UPS. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of a lot of employer partners that, that help make up the Collegiate Consortium. That's great. And I want to dive into a little bit more of that. But before we do, share with us, you know, I know it sounds kind of obvious, right, by its name, the Collegiate Consortium for Workforce and Economic Development. First of all, it's a little bit of a mouthful, it but it, it does sound like, you know, it's kind of obvious in its name as a description as to what it does. But I was hoping you could share with us a little bit more how do you describe the consortium? Take us to a backyard barbecue or to a neighborhood gathering and someone says, so Karen, what's going on in your world? How's work going and what kind of projects are you working on? And you want to talk with them about the consortium. How do you describe it to them? So, of course, I start with some background. The Collegiate Consortium was born when the Philadelphia Naval Base was shut down. Mm -hmm. And there were a considerable amount of people who were losing their jobs, non-Navy personnel, non-military personnel. So it was the presidents at the three community colleges that made up the majority of where the individuals resided. Mm -hmm. So it was Philadelphia, Delaware, and Camden. And they came together, and through some application of some grants, we became the Shipyard College. We trained 
hundreds and hundreds of employees who were losing their jobs when the Philadelphia shipyard closed. And from there, two years later, presidents came together and said, hey, this was really amazing. We should really formalize it. We became a full 501c3 organization. What happens with the Collegiate Consortium, if you know anything about community colleges, we service and we do it very well. We serve the individuals, whether it be the students or the community members or the businesses and the employers in our region, in our service area. So for us, it's Delaware and Chester County. Right. If you have an employer that resides in Chester County and Bucks County, it's hard for us to serve that employer because mm-hmm. then we bring in Bucks County Community College because that's their service area. Right. So there's a logic there to saying, let's expand this operation a little bit. So what the Collegiate Consortium allows us to do, it allows us to move around the region as a entity, as a force. And together, we're stronger. Each community college has a kind of has a specialty. Mm-hmm. Delaware County Community College has a lot of technical education courses, welding and carpentry and manufacturing. We're one of the few schools that have a full manufacturing floor. Hmm. And Montgomery County has a, a tremendous IT presence. Right. So each community college has a specialty, if you will. Right. With us as a consortium, it allows us to serve the larger employers in our specialty. So it makes us greater as a whole. Right. So if I can't, at Delaware County, I can't provide a service to or training to an employer because I don't have that expertise, I reach out to Montgomery County and together we do it. It allows us to move around the region. It makes a lot of sense. It, it does. really does. It's efficient. It's collaborative and cooperative, and it's ultimately allowing you and your colleagues across the region to accomplish your mission in a much more logical, practical, and focused way. As I mentioned, efficient as well, but the whole goal here is to help people advance their careers professionally, frankly, personally as well, and being able to do that as a team, to your point, you're stronger as a group than you are as individual entities really makes a lot of sense. It does. So I want to shift back to this notion, Karen, that you had referenced, that there's Delaware County Community College that also represents the community college system in Chester County, Montgomery County Community College, Bucks County Community College, Community College of Philadelphia, and then what I would call two, and I don't know if you would describe it the same way, but two anomalies is probably too strong of a word, but how hard is it to create a consortium across states by engaging Camden County Community College. Was that easy or is it easy today? Well, at the time that we created the Shipyard College, a large majority of those shipyard workers were Camden County residents. So it was easy. And by and large, community college and their administration and their senior leadership are collaborative. They're always looking for collaborative, you know, situations and opportunities. So it's not hard at all. I mean, it's it's not a state it's really not bound by state at all. Right. It was really a regional approach. That's great to hear. It really is. It's refreshing because, um, you know, there's a history of an us and them kind of mentality in yeah, different ways. Absolutely. I'm really glad to hear that it doesn't exist in the community college world in any significant way. So that's really great. How about the story of Drexel? How did Drexel University become engaged in the Collegiate Consortium? As we continued to grow, it was obvious, and it was obvious right up front, wasn't long after it was formed, mm-hmm. that we were going to need a, a four-year anchor mm-hmm. to help with those skills that were beyond the community college at the bachelor's level mm-hmm. and the master's level. So Drexel had stepped up and at the time was very eager to jump in and help us meet the need. Yeah. So I'm going to peel back the onion a little bit, if you could, and I I don't want to get too nuanced here, but whether it's Delaware County Community College or Camden County Community College or Bucks County, how does the Collegiate Consortium for Workforce and Economic Development 
fit into the college? Is it like a separate entity and a curriculum, a track? Or how does it, if that makes sense, how does it like fit under the umbrella of each of the county community colleges? So every community college in the country really mm-hmm. has an arm to it that's for contracted training. So many people don't realize that employers come to community colleges and have specialized, customized training developed hmm. and delivered on site a lot of times. Meaning the employer site. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you you know if you have an employer who's looking for welding, we would develop a curriculum, identify the competencies that the employer is looking at, and looking to achieve for their employees. Uh, sometimes we would provide assessment. We would then go on to the employer's site if they have the facilities to be able to allow us to do that, and provide that training. So every community college has whether it's called contracted training, customized training, business training. Each school has a little bit of a different flavor of a title for the department. But the collegiate consortium resides in that department for mm-hmm. each of the community colleges. Gotcha. And they work independently, but in collaboration with each other to meet the needs of the workforce specialties, if you will, for that county. Yes. Yeah. Or even beyond the county. To your point, it's cross-county, it's collaborative, it's uh, unified. You don't even know. As an employer, you don't know if it's a Delaware County Community College faculty or a Bucks County Community College faculty delivering that training. Mm -hmm. All you know is it's a collegiate consortium. Right. You had been mentioning a couple names of organizations that your team at the Collegiate Consortium engage with. And I was hoping you could talk with us a little bit more about the importance of that public-private partnership. Because you're not just going out there and creating programs, you're responding to a need in the community that's typically, I would suspect, driven by an employer who comes and identifies a problem, and the community college system through the consortium is coming up with a solution. That's correct. So share with us a little bit more about some of those public-private partnerships, if there's an example or three that you want to share. So a great example is about four years ago, PICO came to the Workforce Development Board at the time, Delaware County Workforce Development Board, uh, reached out to Delaware County Workforce Development Board because there's a need. We have all these baby boomers retiring. Many employers are concerned about the pipeline to fill retirement positions. The employee pipeline. Absolutely. Just want to be clear, talking about PICO. Oh, yes. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. So they reached out to the Workforce Development Board. Of course, they in turn, because they work very closely with the consortium and the community colleges, Mm -hmm. they reached out to the Collegiate Consortium. It took us 18 months with individuals from PICO, from the subcontractors like Henkels and McCoy, PGW, and quite a few others Mm -hmm. to come up with a curriculum. We developed a curriculum. We provided the training, and now we're offering a gas pipeline distribution mechanic program to help fill that gap. Wow, that's that's impressive. So are there numbers that you can share? How many folks go through programs? And it just can be a, a kind of a general overview. So probably in the three years that we've been running, it's probably 100 a year mm-hmm. that go through. Yeah, that's great. I don't want to suggest that they're guaranteed jobs, but there's certainly a, now a pool of qualified candidates that PICO and potentially other employers can pull from. Absolutely. They're trained and ready to work. That makes sense. So I know there's something called the Regional Marine Training Center that was also created recently through a public-private partnership, and I was hoping you could share with us a little bit more about that. Absolutely. Very similar to the PICO situation, the maritime industry in Philadelphia reached out to the Collegiate Consortium quite a few years ago when they were looking to bring on a new customer, and it was a product that they had not really had any training in. Mm -hmm. So through the Collegiate Consortium, we developed a training program for them and started a, a relationship with them. Right. Most recently, through a grant 
through the Department of Labor and Industry, the Pennsylvania Department of Labor and Industry, a strategic innovation grant. We were awarded $385,000 to develop training for the maritime workers. There is no training there. They had no structured training. There was no orientation for individuals who are new to the maritime industry. So if I was wanting to start a career Mm -hmm. as a a longshoreman, I would go get a TWIC card, a transportation worker identification card, and I would show up at the hiring hall. Okay. That's it. Yeah. And, you know, if I was able to be selected for a job that day, there was no orientation being done. There was no safety being done. I was just put on a ship. Yeah. Whether I had never been on a ship before, I had never worked and done any of that work before. Yeah. And that was just the structure. And there are a tremendous group of individuals and a, a very skilled group of individuals. And you would be shocked to know how much cargo and product comes through Philadelphia with this workforce. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, And I think what I heard you just describe is uh, on-the-job training. It is. And that's kind of the way it historically has been done. But I think your point of having a more organized and structured approach that involves safety, best practices, other kinds of what I would call softer skills of how to handle a work environment is all part of that opportunity to really welcome a more effective and highly engaged workforce than what historically has been established in the past. Fair? Fair. In years past, what had happened is, you know, a father would show a son, a grandfather would show a grandson, Mm -hmm. an uncle would show a nephew. Mm -hmm. And that's how the training was passed down generation after generation. But then there was a gap. There was a a generation that went to college and pursued other careers and, and other opportunities So now you lost that. Mm -hmm. So now for these baby boomers who are retiring, we need that transfer of skill. Mm -hmm. We need that transfer of knowledge. Right. And this is going to help do that. So stepping back for a moment, Karen, what do you want an employer to know about the Collegian Consortium? And then what do you want an individual who's trying to navigate their career to know about the Collegian Consortium for Workforce and Economic Development? So for the employers, I just want them to know that there's a resource. They're not in this alone. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other companies in this region who are suffering from the same workforce shortage that they are. And there are answers. And often the answer is education and training. So to just reach out. And if we can't help you, we will put you in touch with someone who can. For students, I just want them to be Mm open-minded. Explore every possible scenario. Really reach beyond what you know. Because there are so many industries in this region that provide family-sustaining wages, provide career pathways, and are an exciting industries to work within. Collaborative efforts like the Collegian Consortium and the quality, affordable education and training offered at community colleges across the region and across the country, they bring to life the wisdom of Teddy Roosevelt that we presented at the top of this podcast. It's such a powerful message. Let's revisit that timeless quote from our 26th president. Far and away, the best prize that life has to offer is the chance to work hard at work worth doing. Growing Greater is presented by Select Greater Philadelphia, a council of our Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia. Select is the business attraction organization for Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania, and helps to grow the economic vibrancy of our collective community by attracting new businesses and new jobs to our region. Special thanks to our program producers, Elena Carmazin and Maricela Juarez, along with the great team of marketing and creative services professionals at our chamber. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in anytime and anywhere you get your podcasts or online at selectgreater.com. 
phl.com slash podcast.